3: Welcome, welcome to Center Stage. All things arts and entertainment, we just believe you ought to know about it. This nine o'clock hour is all about entertainment throughout the state of Minnesota. I know you hear a lot about the Twin Cities and beyond, but I tell you there's so much, so much great, uh, so many great plays and musicals that are on the stages. And I am so excited to talk about the History Theater tonight because I see them as the gate. Keepers of our stories right here in the great state of Minnesota, um, and I say that because they write plays. Plays are written and shown on that that stage that really has an impact on who, what, when, where, and why right here in Minnesota. No matter what those stories are, it's all about a story from right here in the state of Minnesota. So I'm so excited to talk to the playwright tonight, Mark Jensen, who wrote the piece called Runestone or Runstone, I got to get that right. It's a rock musical, um, and he is joining us right now. Playwright Mark Jensen, welcome.
1: Well, thank you for having me on. Great
3: so glad that, you. yeah, great to talk with you too. The music and additional lyrics are, are by Gary Rue. The musical arrangements are by uh, Gary Rue, but you're the guy who wrote the piece. Tell us why it is so important. I know when I was in Alexandria, I learned a lot about the, is it the Runstone or Runestone?
1: It's the runestone, the Kensington runestone.
0: Awesome. And, uh, yes. yeah, it's my
1: my hometown mystery. I, I grew up in Kensington, where the runestone was, was found. It was um unearthed in eighteen ninety eight by Olaf Holman, who was a Swedish mm-hmm. immigrant. And it, mm-hmm. and it's a rock, it's about what's well, the size of a gravestone and it has uh, runes on two sides. And if it's and the runes talk about a joint expedition of Swedes and Norwegians that came to West Central Minnesota, and the stone is dated 1362. So if it's real, it really upends the history books, and it and it's, uh, it proves that uh, Norwegians and Swedes reached Minnesota um, earlier than, than than originally, than you know than Columbus.
3: Do you feel like we have forgotten here in the great state of Minnesota what a runestone is and why it is important to the Scandinavian, uh, Swedish, um, and so many other uh, people that have really worked so hard to make sure that these runestones tell the story?
1: well I, I it depends on your audience I mean I think certainly um a lot of people have know about the runestone, but I'm always surprised when people haven't heard of it before as well it's It's really a great mystery because it was dismissed as a hoax right away, but then as time has gone on, others have asserted it's real so it's it's just it's it's a fun Minnesota mystery to explore and it's it's really gratifying the history theaters is, is um. When learning, so. yeah,
3: when learning about the Runestone, I kept saying to myself, "Okay, it's a rock musical. Tell me why."
1: Yeah, well, it's part of the, <laughs> kind of the part of the the pun of it. The right? pun, yes, yes, absolutely. <laughs> the pun of, 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 <laughs> of, 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 of the So, yeah, I mean, uh, so Gary Rue and I we started working on this uh, in 2015 or so. I'd ri- I'd written many versions before as a play, uh, just mm-hmm. as a straight play, like exploring the, the both sides of the debate. And then Gary and I, well, Ron Peluso suggested um, I turn my play into a rock musical. And so Gary and I started working on it. And um, at first, we, we went all over the map in terms of rock styles or uh, music styles. We, we had a John Philip Sousa number. We had a barbershop quartet. And anyway, when, it, when we we uh, workshopped it during raw stages of the History Theater in 2019. You know, Ron suggested, oh, why don't you just make it a rock musical, use rock music? And that, that really uh, lit a match with us. I mean, we, we started working. I mean, Gary is, is a rock musician from the 70s and 80s and, and onward, and I grew up with the, that, that genre. So, so we really kind of re, reshaped the whole show using, using rock music and exploring all the different subgenres.
3: It really is quite remarkable that you've done this as rock music. And I'm just curious, I know Gary loves to write the music. Are these all original songs? Yes. Yep. Awesome. Just awesome. And the cast, there are about eight cast members, am I correct? There are, yep. Okay, so in this story, um, I know that it has a lot to do with certain people here in the great state of Minnesota, but why do you believe it's so important for Minnesotans, all of us, no matter what color or where we're from, to learn what this runestone is and why it is so important, why they are buried all over the place or so you can go and see them in various countries? I mean, there are certain countries that almost, um, not worship them, but really um, feel like they are spiritual more so. It tells a story, but it almost seems as though they, they respect it so much, it seems more spiritual. Would you agree?
1: Oh, yes. I think the runestone, for for those of us who grew up in west-central Minnesota, it has a you know, pretty deep cultural significance, and and um, there is that tie to Scandinavian culture with, with and, and and culture and history, and, and so I think that's the tie that people have with, with runes. I mean, you look at them, and they it just has some sort of special feeling that you get when you, when you take a look at them.
3: I really hope that there are schools that are coming to see this, uh, this particular piece, because so many children may not have ever heard of a runestone. And for them to learn this type of history and how important it is for Minnesota and other countries as well is important to me. So uh, do you know if there are going to be any educational shows?
1: Yeah, I believe so. Yeah, there's some, some matinees that are, are happening during the run. Yeah, and I know some schools are coming. I hope so. Yeah, I would love love that. I mean, there's the show has a lot of history. I mean, it's not only history about the runestone, but history about the West Central Minnesota area and, and the immigrant experience. It's all wrapped up into the, into the experience.
3: So where did you begin when you decided to write this piece?
1: Well, I grew up by Kensington. I, I grew up on a farm uh, just three miles away from where the runestone was found. Mm-hmm. So this was part of my... My upbringing, my fabric, and uh, as, as in my culture. So I, I lived there, but I also attended Solomon Lutheran Church, which is where Olaf and his family are buried. And, you know, my 4 H club, we were the Runestone 4 H Club. We had our, our monthly meetings in Olaf's barn because the, their farm was turned into a county park. And, you know, Alexandria has Big Oli, the big Viking statue that guards downtown, and every business is biking this or Runestone that. So I just really had a tie to this. And um, my grandfather actually knew Olaf Lohmann, who was accused of carving it. And he always wow. told me he was honest. So, so the, that background. And then my father, on the other hand, he, he was skeptical. He, he thought it was rural humor. So I, I had kind of both voices growing up. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, there was some controversy about that, right?
1: Oh, yes, very much so. It still continues. Yeah, very, it still it's continue. a very controversial artifact. Oh, yeah, it continues oh, on, on Yeah.
3: Well, I have a feeling you're going to convince all of us that it's not a fake, that it's real, and that the story continues <laughs> on and on. Where do you hope to see this go? Um, once this is open and it's been on stages for a few times, where Where do you hope it will go?
1: Oh, I mean, I, well, I, I hope it We'd love to see it, you know, be performed up in the Alexandria area, certainly, and other parts of Minnesota too. I mean, I, you know, I just hope it's it's the beginning of, of of many productions.
3: Well, I do hope to get over to see it, and I do hope that if if the audience loves it like I think they will, I'm really hoping that you'll be able to tour it all over, even in the other countries where Runestones are really you know, quite common and being taught in schools and so much more. So it is a story that I'm fascinated by because I had that opportunity in Alexandria or Kensington and just to know that it existed Mm -hmm. and to see the big giant Viking. And I just thought, I need (laughs) to know about this. So I just want you to know this black girl over here is definitely curious about this. So don't be surprised if I'm in the audience.
1: (laughs) Excellent. Excellent. Yeah, yeah, we're going to rock the house.
3: And it opens May 7th. It continues through May 29th at the History Theater. If people want more, tic- more um, information, where do they go?
1: They uh, contact the History Theater, uh, of course, historytheater.com. Um, and, um, and, and and their number, the number is uh, 651-292-4323. Mm-hmm.
3: You know, one of the things so I 651- love about theater, go right ahead. Go right ahead. Say that again for yep. us.
1: Oh, you want the number again? Yes, it's, please. 651 292 4323.
3: Well, I sure appreciate that. And I want to say to you, you guys are doing Afterthoughts on Tuesday, May 31st, which um, I'm surprised about that. Um, do I have that correct about Rune Stone? That's when you guys are going to do an, an After Talk?
1: Yeah, we have actually five scheduled. So, yeah, there is one. That one on the 30th is, is over Zoom. Um, after each matinee, we also have afterthoughts, so on May 8th, the 15th, 22nd, and the
0: 29th.
3: Yeah, that's what I really hope people will stick around and, and participate in as well, because there's so much to learn about Rune Stones and what it means to Minnesota. So I really appreciate you joining us, uh, Mark Jensen, and I wish you well with this particular piece. And again, if you see this black girl sitting out in the audience, that's me. How about that?
1: <laughs> <laughs> it sounds great. I look forward to seeing you.
3: Thank you, sir. Take care. Mm-hmm. All right, that was uh, a play, playwright Mark Jensen. Uh, the show is called Runestone, a rock musical. So the music is going to be rocking. So you got to go see it May 7th through the 29th. Don't forget. And they do have also online at HistoryTheater.com. And theater is with a T R E at the end. HistoryTheater.com. You can also stream some of the shows later on in that, that month. So I think it's the, it starts the 23rd or the 24th. So do go online and look to see if you want to stream it. Or or if you want to get in those seats and really watch a great show. All right, uh, coming up next will be Rohan Preston. I'm glad to have him back. It's been a while, and he's going to join me next.
4: podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com odyssey podcast
2: <sighs> spring is a time of renewal so why not refresh your home with a little help from blinds.com we make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact choose from premium blinds shades and shutters we even have options for your patio too
3: Welcome back to Center Stage, all things arts and entertainment. We just believe you ought to know about it. And I am excited to talk with Rohan Preston. He has not joined us just yet, but he has been in New York last week. And as you know, he goes a couple of times or maybe a few times to New York every year. And he had a chance to see Hugh Jackman in Music Man last Wednesday. And we'll talk about that if he's able to join us. However, I do want to say that Broadway has a new rebirth to me. That's what it feels like. Um, COVID took it down. As we know, so many industries were nearly destroyed. And I thought Broadway would be one of them. I really did because it's difficult to bring it back slowly. You can't just put people on the stage to rehearse and there's COVID going on. You know, they can't sit there and dance and sing in their mask and then and that sort of thing. It's just been really tough for Broadway since 2020. But they came back, and I mean they came back big time. You know, most people thought maybe it wouldn't happen, but it did. And I read articles about... You know, the artists and how they were so grateful to finally be at it. Some of them, it was their first Broadway show and their mother and sisters and brothers were coming just to see them in that show and how long they waited. They thought, oh my goodness, is this that moment when, when I will see my family or will they close the day before? You just didn't know. So can you imagine the stress of all of that? And so many industries, you may be very, um, you know, that you have relationships with and you know about, you know that what they went through, but Broadway, that was a whole nother ball game for me. So I'm wondering, you know, what kind of shows are still thriving today since we are now back? And um many people like even who was it? Um that said, you know, COVID is over. Did you hear about that? COVID is over. Well, is it? Is it really? Um, I don't know if COVID is over. I don't know if it'll ever be over now that they're talking about getting another um, shot, another booster shot, and that we would have to get a shot every year. And if that is true, then no, it's not gone. So how are the theaters doing right now? Let's let's just talk about, you know, what is the Broadway show uh, that's been up the longest right now. Well, the longest that is still open today is The Phantom, Phantom of the Opera, the longest running show in Broadway history. Officially opened on January 26, 1988, and is still playing at the Majestic. The Andrew Lloyd Webber musical won seven. Tony Awards back in 1988 and it has been gone ever since. So that in itself is remarkable. Some of you think, oh, it's just that one, but no, 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 there's still so much more to learn about what is happening on Broadway, whether there are, you know, certain ones that are in trouble as you and i both know that that happens and far too often that there are broadway shows that are nearly closing right now or close to closing or uh, have already closed and that is hard to hear hard to watch it's like a dream denied right um, it's so painful when you are are at that point where you can actually be on the stage at Broadway, or maybe you're at Carnegie Hall, or maybe some place that you revere as ve- very special for you to perform at or speak at. Right, like those who are on the the TED Talks, or 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 they get a chance to get on the big TED stage. Can you imagine what that felt like for them to do a 19 or 20 minute speech? This is what I'm talking about. This is how this COVID has affected all of us, especially when it comes to entertainment, but we are back and thriving. Again, let me say that we are back and thriving and I am excited about it. I want to talk about it. And so for those of you that are thinking about going to New York and seeing a Broadway show, if you can handle it and you say to yourself, okay, I'm ready to go in the midst of a big show. I'm ready. Then go support right and i would still say take a mask put it in your pocket just in case it's mandatory or just just in case got it all right we're going to take a break and we'll come back with some weather weather in a moment
5: t-mobile has invested billions to light up america's largest 5g network from big cities to small towns including right here in yours And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today.
6: Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.
5: All-star closer, Kenley Jansen, we have a question. What's the best podcast of all time?
3: I am so excited to introduce to you a filmmaker, a well-known award-winning filmmaker, by the way, photographer, author, and artist. Uh, tonight, her name is Carrie Pickett. And I don't know if you've heard about the Shell River 7 Stop Line 3. Yes, it is a documentary, a short film featuring Brown's I Am a Pair," uh, a Patriot and Seven Women Arrested During the Pipeline Protest will screen during Minneapolis-St. Paul International Film Festival that is starting on May 8th. You do not want to miss this, and I am so excited. Excited to introduce you to Carrie Pickett. Thank you so much for joining us tonight, Carrie.
0: Oh, I'm just so honored to have uh, to be here with you, and I'm just uh, so grateful for you and and all that you do. And um, I hope I get a chance to uh, say more about that.
3: Yes, please, and I would love to meet you. By the way, would just love to oh, meet you. Here's the thing: the work. I feel th- the same. Yeah, the work that you do matters. Um, and I, I say to myself, we know that she's an award winning filmmaker. Okay. But are we expanding all that you are? Are are you do you feel as though Minnesota, as well as the rest of the world, really truly understands your work?
0: Oh my goodness, that is just you know, it's the wonderful thing about being a documentary photographer and a documentary filmmaker, is that it's not about me. It's about the fact that I have this passion to tell stories about people um, who are making a difference, who are trying to right a wrong. I get to tell stories about um, family and community, and um, I get to have a much greater audience for the things that I am able to see through my work and through my art. And so the cool thing about it for me is that it's really not about me. It's about all the amazing people that I get to cover like the shell river seven, these, you know, indigenous women who are leading the movement to protect the water. Mm. And um, I get to cover it in artistic ways um, pairing with amazing artistic people like Jackson Brown, I Am a Patriot. Right. That Jacks, that song was Winona LaDuke's, um, one of her favorite songs. And she always felt that water protectors are the, um, some are showing very high patriotism. And so she wanted to. Um, me to consider doing a music video with that song and Jackson Brown and the writer of the song Stephen Van Zandt said yes and so um uh, I edited together the day that Winona LaDuke and um, along with five other women and one journalist were arrested for chaining themselves together and walking in on the easement, the Enbridge Line 3 easement, to protect the Shell River. She had been camping there for a very long time and... Um, I just feel so honored to be able to share the stories of people who are making a difference, people like the Shell River 7. Wow, wow. And and so, you know, we're following Winona. Um, I'm blessed to uh, have met Winona when I was just 25 years old back in 1983, or four, I guess it was. We're still trying to figure out when it was. And um, I've been watching her work with Honor the Earth over the almost 30 years of the organization. And um, I've let her use my photo of Sonia Holy Eagle for the um, one of the icon images for the organization. And I've always been the supporter of of the work and just um, seeing the steadfast nature of the protection of our, our resources, the wild rice, the nice. trees, the water, the things that make us really um, value living here in this beautiful state of Minnesota. Um, she I just feel really honored to be able to lift up the work that they're doing and the patriotism that these water protectors are showing. Yeah,
3: and it's so on re- that
0: note, there's this big drop the charges campaign, because, mm-hmm. as you know, all those women were arrested. And so um, it, it's, a you know, gosh, we could just talk all day. Yeah,
3: well, I tell you, you know, my dear friend Marianne Moore has um, told me so much about these stories and to know that it's a documentary that everybody can see if they are able to do it. Um, it's remarkable. I just want to know, where do you go to fill up when you've poured yourself out during uh, something like this, where your heart may be breaking at the same time you are saying, at least I'm getting the word out. At least I'm, I'm sending this out into the universe so that people understand how important this is.
0: I really think that film is a wonderful universal language, and we can um, we can reach so many people. And um, I, I, where I go to fill up is also where I, I I like to to work sometimes, and that is uh, wherever my family is. I like to go, and because I can edit, you know, um, I would say I try and gravitate towards family whenever whenever possible. And a lot of my work, my first book, "Love in the '90s," covered my grandparents' love story, and my first film, "The Fabulous Ice Age," documented one man's quest to save the 100-year history of the Great American Touring Ice Shows. And that's my uncle, Roy Blakey, who I share a photo studio with, and so I, I find that um, that making films uh, is a way of of we're historians. I think documentary filmmakers are historians. And we, we, you know, when we set out to make a film, I made the film First Daughter and the Black Snake following Winona's efforts to stop the Sandpipers pipeline, and it was the, marked the beginning of Line Three. And then this last year, I've been um, photographing and filming the indigenous women leading the movement to protect the water as Line Three was being put in. And, um, I think uh, that many people don't realize how the aquifer breaches that have happened as a result of that. And so I think it's it's the one thing that's amazing about being a documentary filmmaker is that I really get to learn. I can tell you all about the 100-year history of dancing on ice, and I can tell you a lot about um, tar sands extractive industries as well and so it's uh education for me and i i feel blessed to be able to tell every single story it's important we lift up the stories of people um whose voice uh, doesn't always get to be heard and i'm so happy to have you know uh to be able to have so many incredible team members like sarah little red and river ackerman and um, son and three to five helped uh, film all of this and so it really takes a village
3: it does take a village, and um, as long as we remember that, we will succeed. I really, truly believe that. And documentaries, whether they are five minutes, 50 minutes, or two hours long, the bottom line is that people come to see and to learn. And they get as much. It's like taking in. It's like breathing, right? The more you know, it's like breathing. And as you work so hard to get the message out, specifically about the water protectors, those are life-changing words. Those are life changing um, um, documentaries, no matter how short or how long they are. Has there ever been a documentary that you were able to do for a certain length of time and you said, okay, I did that. I I answered the questions. I took it from my soul and put it into the universe. Or has there been one where you said, oh no, I didn't get all that I wanted to get out.
0: I I think in the fabulous ice age, I, um, I, Uh, show my uncle Roy Blakey's life as he is a passionate collector and former ice skater with Holiday on Ice but now I'd like to do a film about his photography and his place in the history of um, gay photography. He did a beautiful book of uh, photographs called He in 1972 and I think that period time period in the 70s is very interesting and so I think one project often leads me to another I never would have thought when I did First Daughter and the Black Snake following Winona that I would be making another sequel um, feature film to that work and so a lot of times um, the film is over but the story doesn't end and that's the case with the water protectors
3: it really is a remarkable story, and I can't wait to see it, by the way. I cannot wait to see the seven women that were arrested during the pipeline
0: protest and so much oh, more. Thanks. And yeah, you can gonna... Google, Google mm-hmm. it, too, and, and, and see it, too. And the the reason to see it in the film festival also is it's showing May 8th at the Minneapolis-St. Paul International Film Festival. Um, but the other there are other films, including Ajwa Kapashis, that's um, carrying the fire, which also documents um, land and water defenders uh, up in Minnesota, and so it's nice to see films on the big screen. Um, but people can see uh, um, a lot of um, you know they can j- just Google the Shell River Seven, too, okay. and to videos.
3: Okay, I I think I pulled it up one day and I didn't get a chance to watch everything. But my goodness, it is remarkable what you do. And and to know that you're out there doing this, it's going to help all of us. So thank you so much, Carrie, for what you do. Tell me right now, are you going to go see all of them? You've seen them, you've made them. Do you want to sit with the audience and find out or get get a take on how they're accepting or not accepting what you've put out?
0: I'm definitely going to go. I I missed last year. We had a a film in the film festival, um, No More Pipeline Blues. And um, next year, I hope to have the uh, film Down in the River to Pray. In the film festival, <laughs> and um, I will definitely be entering it in the f- film festival. It was just, we just um, released it on Earth Day, and, and that's what I started out the program, saying thank you. I wanted to say thank you for um, adding your beautiful voice to that new music video. It's our third Honor the Earth produced um uh, music video and you generously gave your talents for our most recent music video. And I just am so honored. It's really, uh, was so great that you did that. Thank you so much. Thank you, Carrie.
3: And I have to tell you, it was so moving. Uh, I got home and, and I think Marion has sent uh, a rough uh, Copy of the song or something that mm-hmm. we did, uh, "Women Who Cook," and I, I just started weeping. I just started weeping, um, and that is what I am praying and hoping that people will take from your incredible work. These stories, um, if if they hear them, if they see them, if they know what it takes for the Asana, do Am I saying it correctly, Asan? Uh, how do you say that? the tribe? Ashanabi. Thank Anishinabe. you, Anishinaabe, if if we can only understand what they are going through. And by the way, their protection of that water and that land is going to help us all. It's not like it's just for them. It's for all of us. So for you to put this together and present it to the world, I just want to tell you thank you because it is important. It matters. So I hope to see you at one of these screenings because I'm going to be there.
0: Okay, wonderful. Well, and definitely in the future and or uh, next year or when we get um, down in the river to pray in the film festival. It is worth the wait.
3: Thank you so much for joining us, Carrie Pickett. Thank you. Really appreciate it. Thank you. I (laughs) really appreciate you. Okay. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. (sighs) We're going to pay some bills and come back in a moment. It is now 9.49 here at WCCO as we wrap up this this hour of Center Stage. It has been such a pleasure. I do want to tell you about a group that I have fallen in love with over the years now. Uh, it's probably been about, oh my goodness, four or five years I've known them. I saw them when the uh, oldest daughter, uh, Cadence, was about 15 or 16, I'm not quite sure, at the Mall of America in the Rotunda. And I tell you, I've just... um I just love them so much. They're called None Above and you've heard me, uh, talk about them as some new musical artists that are just expanding and doing great things. Um, None Above, um, is quite prolific in their writing. Their songs are, um, have such a catch to it. I'll never forget the first album. I learned about four of their songs and would sing along to the album. And, um, it was just wonderful. And this is a group of young people, a family of four, four siblings that came together. They didn't know how to play the instruments when they, you know, when they first had a thought about this, I'm sure. But, man, did they start working on it and get better and better and better. And they are worth seeing. Let me tell you, you want to go and see them. Their next performance is June 3rd, June 3rd. Now, that may seem like it's far away, but it's not. Uh, I want to tell you about it, June 3rd. None Above is the name of the group. N-U-N-N-A-B-O-V-E. They're going to be playing at the Flint Hills Festival at the Ordway. They're going to do a one-hour set uh, at about 7 p.m., I believe. If you want more information, just go to Ordway.org and look at the Flint Hills Festival for more information. But I am telling you, if you hear their music and their style and um, how they like to rock it, just pay attention. They are going to be... All over the place. And it may take a year. It may take five years. But I promise you, they're going to get there. I really believe that. They're that good. A family of siblings of four that are doing it together. So, again, this is happening June 3rd at Flint Hills Festival at the Ordway. You do not want to miss it. Just go to noneabove.com. Again, that is u n n. -N 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 A B as in boy. O V as in Victor. E dot com. None dot com. All right, this has been a great hour. Of course, the mom and Michael hour is going to come up in just a moment, and we have so much to talk about. Jonathan, we're going to talk about um, pedicures and manicures. Man, have you ever had one?
6: I have not. You have I've not? heard.
3: I've heard good
6: things. Uh, but I have not come around to get one of those.
3: You know, it's quite um, interesting. A lot of young men that that want that, people go, why does he get his nails done or something like that? But then you'll see someone that's uh, an anchor on a television show or something like that, and they're in their 60s, and their nails are perfectly manicured, and you see that light coating of of clear polish, and no one says a word. I don't quite understand that.
6: Well, I think there's a stigma that goes with uh, men on camera, whether it's in the news business or in film. Mm-hmm. There's there's a stigma that, you know, the pretty boys, they're, they don't like to get rough and, and in the mud and in the dirt. They like to, you know, look shiny and have makeup on. <laughs> trust me,
3: I've... I have, you make them sound like ornaments
6: <laughs> I, to, to oh, be honest goodness. I think that there are people out there that think that way i i i I believe that it might have
3: Slowed down a bit, maybe, or, or, or. No, not at all. You know, it was. It's, you can look back at Elton John and people like that who always painted their nails or had their nails painted, of course. And even today, you've got these young artists in the hip hop, R and B, all of that, and they're doing, you know, a different color on every nail and that sort of thing. Again, and so it's, it's gotten to it's, the point where it's okay, it's like people accept it's it. It's,
6: it's different yeah. than what you would consider people in other other industries. You know, you're not laying brick. You're not uh, constructing houses or road construction. Or you're not a uh, park ranger. You know, you're not uh, in the manufacturing plant.
3: But wait a minute. Wait, wait, wait. Because people like... Um Um, Vanilla Ice started his own business renovating homes, right? Um, What is that one that goes, yes, what's his name? Little John. (laughs) Little John. Little John has a show on television now renovating. So what we think of them when we see them performing and we see them in Hollywood and blah, blah, blah is one thing. And then all of a sudden they become who they really always wanted to be. So, hey, if they're painting their nails, why not?
6: Well, uh, again, I think I think. When you get to the stage of having television shows and having cameras around, you're not going to necessarily have people that are completely you know uh leather worn as far as their facial features or their hands you know you they're trying to again quote unquote pretty them up a little bit so oh goodness again i trust me. I was on camera for four years. I was on camera. I talked. To, I talked to uh, Jordana Green about this a few years ago, and and when I was in TV because she was in TV as well, and she asked, "Did you ever put on makeup when you were on television?" I said, "No, I never did." That was the you one. Never that did. Was, that was the one thing that I could hold over everybody else. I never put on makeup. I never put makeup on my. Uh, on my, but it's usually my mandatory
3: head. if you're doing television. Usually no, someone, they hire someone that works for the company, whatever the station was, and they come in and do your makeup. No. They, they at least well, put power number on one, Number one,
6: we were working in a small market. There was, no, there was no budget for anyone to come in and do hair and makeup. No, you had to do that stuff on your own. But yeah. number two, I just consider it being as vain as I am to the fact that they just hired someone that just looked so good that they didn't need
3: makeup. One time I was working with um, my family and Prince, and we were doing a video with him, and (laughs) my makeup was so bad, and I was walking around, I guess, looking kind of sad, and he stopped me and said, Jarlene, what's wrong? And I said, oh, nothing's wrong. He goes, what's wrong? I said, well, the makeup artist, I just didn't like what she did, but you know, it's okay. He said, no, it's not. So he walks me back over to her and says, where's the other makeup person? And she comes out, and he says, yeah, you do this. You start all over again, and you get it right. And I was like, oh, my God. And let me tell you, my face was fearless, man. <laughs> I was stunned. So, yeah, that's a little story I yeah, haven't told before.
6: Again, it's 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 that whole, again, you're presenting yourself to your audience. So you're trying to present the best version of yourself to your audience, whether that's a dictate that comes down from the uh comes down from the, the bosses upstairs or uh, no from matter. the viewers themselves. They
3: wanted to see right. the best version of yourself, so that's what yeah, you do. Yeah, but I don't always get it right, and it doesn't bother me. So, you know, some people just have to get over it. Good night, everyone. I hope you'll stick and stay with us for the last hour. But those of you that are going to bed, we understand. We cannot wait to be with you next Sunday night, so don't go too far away. Coming up next is the Mom and Michael Hour, my favorite